0: Seth, I know you're listening. This is extra uh, clunking. This is for you. Alright. So... um, I wanted to not talk... Hang on. We're not playing music. That applause is for me. This is the worst intro. (laughs) Okay. So, that was the, uh, the worst intro so far. Um, I wanted to avoid, um, all the hubbub, all the political stuff, all the social justice stuff, all the, um, all of that stuff. Uh, Well, I equal parts wanted to talk about it and also avoid it, um, and so I want to talk about it because it still is really important, um, I wanted and I wanted to talk about it because there is, um. Like, like everything important, like everything political, like everything cultural it is multifaceted and there are so many different things that you need to touch on so many different things that you need to talk about but I also wanted to avoid it because there are so many resources out there and there are so many people who are much more intelligent than I am, who are much better read in that field than I am, um and I never—I guess it's really kind of um, kind of guarding my own heart in a way, kind of guarding my own um, sense of self-importance, guarding against that. You know, um, I don't want to put—I don't want to come across that I think I'm some sort of authority. Um, so I'm I'm avoiding that topic, and that's a perfect lead-in to what I do want to talk about, which is the issue of tone in our speech and in our social media interactions and in our writing. Um, I have addressed it, I think, um, peripherally. Um, that's I pronounced that wrong. Tangentially. Um, over the course of however many weeks I've been doing this, I've addressed it as a sub-point or as, you know, parenthetically or as a as another thought, but I've never just come out and kind of given a uh, a philosophy on on tone and how I think about tone and how I want to be I want to be balanced and I want to kind of run uh, center field on tone. So um, I what's what sparked this is someone who listened to me last week talk about decentralizing theology. In, we, had, we had a good discussion. We had you know, some disagreements, but we were able to decide. Um, we were able to see where the other person was coming from, and I think it was really good back and forth. And in, in, the, in the course of the conversation, we talked, I, I, I brought up I brought up Tone. And I had made a Facebook post that said something, it wasn't, it didn't catch fire or anything, but I made a Facebook post that said something along the lines of when the, and I believe this to be true, when the tone police are uh, correcting your tone, and I'll talk about who the tone police are, when they're correcting your tone, in my experience, they're usually just trying to correct your point. They don't agree with what you're saying and so they will resort to tone the majority of the time. Is it possible that I misinterpret that and the majority of people that do that are coming from a position of they mean mean well? Maybe. um, But I don't think so. I think that people want a an excuse to not do the hard work of thinking critically, and we will, as individuals, as people, we will often set up our own our own barriers from completing a difficult task, right? Proverbs says, I can't go out, there's a lion in the street. The sluggard will, will create an excuse for not, not doing something that that is hard not doing something that needs to be done and we do that in physical labor and in manual labor we do that in our jobs but we also do that in the way that we think through an issue in the way that we kind of parse issues out and so one of those obstacles that will throw up one of those excuses that will throw up is I don't like this person this person disagrees with me I don't like their tone and what that provides you with is it provides you with a back door to not have to engage at any serious intellectual level. As long as I have uh, tone as my front, front line defense my that's my first line of defense is tone I can, I've now given myself an out from every single uncomfortable conversation with somebody that I disagree with. Every single one. I don't like their tone because they were Because they were snarky, or they were sassy, or they were mean, or they were aggressive, right? Or, the other side of that, I didn't talk to this person about this issue because their tone was too soft, too wispy, too ethereal. I didn't like the way that they communicated things, you know, too flimsy, you know, whatever. I didn't like the way that they said this thing. So now, I don't even have to engage with what they were actually trying to say, okay? So, that's all of that to say tone is important, okay? And there are times to use harsher tones and harsher, even harsher language, okay? Even language that makes us uncomfortable. Tones that make us feel uneasy, right? They feel unholy. They feel mean or they feel nasty. But there are biblical examples where harsh tone is used right and if you are if you're a christian and you believe christian doctrine about the scriptures then that means that the spirit of god uses harsh tone and harsh harsh language at times okay so there are two sides two two errors two errors to fall off of or to fall into And I will address what I, I'll tell you the one that I think the church has fallen into for the majority. The first error that you fall into is you read biblical passages, you know, texts in the scripture like Paul telling the Judaizers to emasculate themselves, okay? Or Paul saying that everything I count as loss is everything I count as rubbish or feces or dung or trash, like, use your imagination, see where I'm going there, but we'll keep it family friendly, um, or in Malachi, God is giving, is, uh, is reading, I think it's in Malachi, God is, uh, rendering judgment on, on Israel, and he tells Israel that he will wipe the dung on their face, or, um the Pharisees being called broods of vipers, and they are sons of the devil, right? Like, there are, there are texts of Scripture that make us, that that's, if, if uttered from a pulpit, or if uttered today from a pastor's mouth, or from an evangelical leader's mouth, we would, and we do, discredit them, because we would say we didn't like that, that tone, Okay? um but those those texts are in there and so the first error that you fall into is you read those texts and you assume that that should be normative of our speech okay that's the first error that you fall into and you think i never need to be gracious i never need to be kind i never need to be gentle i never need to be patient you don't do the hard work of at what when does scripture use this un, this unsettling tone, this unsettling voice, this unsettling language. When do when do the scriptures communicate in this way? And when do the scriptures? Because the scriptures do that categorically in different ways than when the speaker or the writer is being patient and is being calm and is being gentle and is being all of those things. Okay. So that's the first error. Because you assume that harsh language is and 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 brash tones are to be normative, okay? The second error that we fall into, and this is the error that I want to push, I, I want to push back on. The second error is you don't think that there's any room to ever speak harshly with somebody. You don't think that there's ever any room for it at all. And that if there's any sort of, if there's any sort of harshness in maybe the words that you choose, or if you're speaking with somebody, the tone of your voice, maybe the uh, the, the volume of your voice, the pitch of your voice, the inflection of your voice, um, or in your writing, you know, whatever it is, you think there's never any room to be... Kind of a bombastic in a way, um, not, and not even really bombastic because bombastic gives you the idea of there's no real intellect, there's no real thought behind it. You're just sort of shock and awe with your language, but you think that there's never any room to to be a little bit more forward with what you're saying. I guess it would be a good word to use. That's the error that I think that the church has fallen into for. A whole host of reasons that I can't, that I'm not going to get into today. But by and large, evangelicals are afraid of unsettling tones and harsh language and direct communication, right? We want to be uh, gentle and soft and, and squishy all the time. And to such an extent, to such an extent, that any any variation from that type of communication, any variation from that is deemed as being unchrist like any harshness, any aggressive speech or language, anything like that is deemed as being unchristlike and ungracious and unkind because we 're so used to and we 've just sort of blindly accepted the idea. That our language, that the way that we communicate ought to not look like that. Okay? And it sometimes only takes that one little word that you use or that one little smart aleck thing that you said, whatever it is, it takes one for a whole argument to just be discouraged, for a whole argument to just be completely dismissed and not looked at. So the pendulum now broadly in evangelicalism has swung soft and squishy cuz it's not even it's not even kindness it's a, it's a softness cuz there's a there's a difference there's a difference between being soft and being kind right softness is i don't really want it, i I want to avoid all confrontation i don't want to have any confrontation with anybody and so i'm going to be soft and i'm going to be amicable and i'm going to be agreeable and I am, that's, what I, that's how I'm going to be. I'm going to be squishy. As Jesus isn't squishy. Jesus isn't soft and amicable with every person when you read through the scriptures. Remember when he just pronounced woes on seven major cities of the time, right? Remember when John the Baptist just straight up told all the religious leaders that they were snakes, Remember when Jesus told all the religious leaders that they were sons of the devil? Right. So there's a there's a time for that for for speaking in that way that comes from a that comes from a place of you of being zealous for the of, for truth and being zealous for the holiness of God, being zealous for what is right and noble and pure and honorable and good. You're zealous for those sorts of things, and you're willing to to spearhead and takes a f- take confrontation on head on right now some people are wired to wait until the battle comes to them and some people go out aggressively whatever but there's a time to speak in that in a, in that way that is very much Christ like that is very much holy that is very much just and is very much good um so short recap, just as I try to recollect my thoughts to see where I was going. The two errors, the first one is the error of no aggressive speech, no harsh tones. The second error being that it's normative. We've largely fallen into the first error. The pendulum could potentially swing, if if the pendulum had swung the other way in the church, if everywhere you looked, if major evangelical publishers we're just always browbeating people, consistently and constantly, right? If they were, if that was happening, then this, what I'm recording right now, would be the exact opposite of what I'm saying. Okay, but when was the last time you read anything from the Gospel Coalition or Desiring God or a Life, a book that that was published by Lifeway or a book that was uh, published from you know Pick Your Thought Leader? Within, the, within evangelicalism, when was the last time that you read something like that and you walked away thinking, oh, I didn't really like that tone. Right? Broadly, the Gospel Coalition is not known for their tone being harsh. is not known for having a, being kind of rough around the edges in his speech. You know? The, the criticism now with the church lies with being so afraid of confrontation that any sort of disagreement and any sort of perceived aggressiveness or haughtiness perceived, not actual um, is, is valid. Right? And the other aspect of all of this like I said earlier is it gives you a back door and it gives you an out from any meaningful conversation with someone that disagrees with you. And here's an example that I use not as an endorsement because I don't necessarily always agree with the conclusions that they make and also not as a um, put down or a rebuke because I honestly don't read enough of their material or listen to enough of their material to give you an honest objective take on them. But one of the back doors that people we use this back door when people read pulpit and pen. Okay. You say we don't like the way that JD Hall talks about people. We don't like the way that JD Hall spoke about this person or communicated this or whatever the case may be. Whether that's true or not, the way that he said this, whether that's true or not, is a non sequitur what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you can you can have the you can have the disagreement with somebody about tone. Okay? You can you can discuss that and you can hash that out and you can parse that out and you can try to find the balance for the rest of your life in the way that you communicate with people. You can definitely have that disagreement and you can definitely take a brother or a sister to the side and say, hey, next time I would maybe communicate this this way. Maybe think about putting it this way or communicating in that way. You can definitely have that conversation, but don't let that conversation distract you from is what they said true. Because that's what matters, right? I think we can all agree that what is true is what matters. Truthfulness is what matters. If you're a Bible-believing Christian, you have to say that what is true is what matters. And it matters, I would say, infinitely more than the way in which we in the way in which we communicate it. Infinitely more important is is what I'm saying true. Okay? A friend of mine a number of years ago, so I'm actually getting the second or third hand, said that he was speaking with the pastor, or maybe it was someone that led like a college group or something. He said he if he had to choose between uh, tact and and boldness or tact and truthfulness he would sacrifice tactfulness. And I think that's over the number you know past couple of years that's really stuck with me. I I would I would do the same. I would much rather have a difficult conversation with somebody about a really heated issue. I would much rather let's take marriage for example. I would much rather go home today After I record this, I would much rather go home, walk in the door, and have an argument with my wife about something, okay? And I say something as a rebuke or a correction or whatever it is that's true, okay? But say it in a mean way, okay? I would much rather a week, two weeks, three weeks down the road, Abby come to me and say, Hey... I know I got mad at the at the what you said a couple weeks ago was true but you, you raised you raised your voice and that was really unnecessary or what you said to me was true but you were kind of snarky about it and I thought that the snark was really unnecessary or what you said to me a couple days ago was true what you said to me a couple days ago was true but you had a weird look on you, whatever the case may be. I would much rather have that conversation than get in an argument with my wife and not say the true thing. And just let, not speak truthfulness into whatever the situation is. Um, Because truthfulness is infinitely more important than the way that we say things. So I say all that to thinking that I, my error, I'm well aware, my error is the error of maybe being too harsh or too aggressive or not having any tact in the way that I communicate sometimes. I know that, right? Like, people want to point this out. When you, That's another thing. When, when you point something out to somebody about the way that they talk about an issue... Maybe I'm projecting, but more than likely they know that. <laughs> they know the way that they communicate, and it makes sense to them for them to communicate in that way. And you need to be able to do the hard work to ask yourself, is what this person is saying true? Can I get to the meat of what they're saying? Can I read through whatever tone I don't like and get to what they are actually saying? Because that's what is important. That is what matters. So, if you're the person that thinks that harsh tones and aggressive forward language is normative, and that's the way you need to always talk about every issue, always, forever, the rest of your life, stop it. Because it's not, it, should, it shouldn't be normative, okay? You should not, <laughs> you shouldn't talk to your wife, and if she does, if she says or does something, Wrong, you shouldn't talk to her and tell her that she's a cloud without water and she's a wild beast, because that's the language that Peter and say, well, that's what that's what Peter calls false teachers. So I can say it, right? Like, don't be an idiot, okay? You shouldn't talk to a coworker who maybe didn't perform a task they were supposed to, and now that task has been laid on your shoulders, and you have to pick up the slack, and you have the conversation with them, you don't have the conversation and tell them you're going to wipe dung on their face. And then when someone tells you, well, that was unnecessary, then you say, well, yeah, but Malachi said it to Israel, or in the book of Malachi, God says that to Israel. Right, like, don't be stupid. Don't be an idiot. You know that that sort of language is not to be the way that you have everyday conversation with people, okay? But also, it's more likely... That's not your error. It's more likely that your error is you never want aggressive tones and language. You never want to be forward. You never want to be forceful. You never want any confrontation ever in your life because you hate it and it makes you uncomfortable and because you're maybe a little bit stuck on yourself and maybe you're afraid that if you have confrontation with somebody and you have a disagreement with somebody, you might find out that you're wrong. And that's the absolute worst thing, right? So you also if that's your error don't be don't be stupid <laughs> don't be an idiot and don't think that and don't ignore all of the texts from Genesis to Revelation that are forward and are aggressive and are uh, are righteous and are good right well we know that the bible is inspired by god We know that it's good, and it's good for the soul, and it nourishes your faith, and it's more precious than silver, and it's sweeter than honey. We know all of those things are true, which means when Paul says, I wish the Judaizers would emasculate themselves, when Jesus says, if you cause a little one to sin, it would be better for you to have a millstone thrown around your neck and drowned, right? When Jesus says, "If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Gouge your eyes out," right? When you don't read those and and create some sort of disconnect and say that that speech was only acceptable for for Jesus and for biblical authors, and it's not for today, because Paul says to imita- imitate him as he imitates Christ. And sometimes, imitating Paul means using tone that's a little bit harsher and is a little bit rougher around the edges, right? Guys, there's a lot more that I could say about this. There's a lot more that we could touch on. It's something that I... Uh, it's kind of like a, like a pet discussion for me. I think it's really important because it's not a thing that we consider, and I think we ought to be thoughtful and careful in the way that we use our language because language is a tool speaking and communicating is a tool and we want to do it right and we want to do it in a way that honors the Lord and do it in a way that glorifies God we don't want to be all willy nilly in the way that we talk so it is kind of a pet discussion for me Um, and I might revisit it and I might in in a couple weeks decide oh there is this thing that I thought about just now that I didn't address, and now I want to address it. Um, But I hope that this, in in any event, I hope this has been uh, helpful to you, and it's been encouraging to you, and I hope that it's caused you to sort of check yourself a little bit, and if you've never been one to try to think through tone and how that sort of stuff matters and why it's important, you've never been intentional in the way that you think about that stuff, I hope that it's caused you to maybe see where you are or well, see where you are and see what your errors are and how you can use your speech and you can communicate in a way that is graceful and is truthful and is honest and is good and is righteous and you're stern when you need to be stern and you're soft when you need to be soft well no not soft because i already said that's not a word that we like you're stern when you need to be stern and you're kind when you need to be kind and you're patient and gentle when you need to be and you're forward and aggressive when you need to be in your speech. Oh, this is helpful. If this is your first time listening, uh, ride along is available on every major podcast platform. Pretty sure. I don't know what constitutes for a major podcast platform, but probably there. I'm on Twitter at a Ray Whitlock. I'm on Facebook at Anthony Ray. Um, I almost indiscriminately accept Facebook friend requests but not always because it's my Facebook and I can do whatever I want and I don't have to accept it Um, if you have thoughts or disagreements or agreements or you loved it or you hated it or whatever you can find me on Facebook at Anthony Ray you can email me Anthony Ray Whitlock at Gmail you can find me on Twitter and and at me or DM me I hope this was helpful I hope that you guys enjoyed it and I hope that I have something equally good for you guys next week thanks have a good one